Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast. It's my weekly podcast where I speak to leading investment professionals. And my guest today is Guy Schertliff. He is a portfolio manager and a global equity analyst at Fuert. And he is talking to us from Singapore. Guy, thank you for joining us. Investment markets all around the world are all over the place at the moment. How do you and Fuert read the, the current market sentiment? Yeah, it's um, definitely an interesting time. And there's a lot of uncertainty out there at the moment. Some of us priced into some asset classes and markets, but many still trading near record highs, high-yield debt, for example, and U.S. growth stocks. So we're quite cautious at the moment. Geopolitical risks are as high as ever. We've got an antagonistic Trump trade wars, Saudi conflict, the Brexit, other EU countries potentially threatening to leave the Italian budget, North Korea more tempered now. And we feel late cycle and caution is warranted, and we're becoming more and more cautious. So we're nearly 10 years into this upcycle, and the S&P is in the second longest bull market to date. And the Fed is responding adequately. They're hiking rates to prevent an overheating. And Trump's stimulus shot from the fiscal side with his tax reform has pushed the U.S. even further above its, its normal growth rate. And unemployment's near a record level, so they're doing the right thing. And typically when you lay cycle on the Fed hikes, there is a, a cooling effect. It's just at what, at what level. So... We're monitoring the Fed policy rates and U.S. 10-year yields very closely. These are important global rates to watch. So they set the, the benchmark for the world and what sort of hurdle rate you need to earn. Mm. And it's not great for bonds as these rates are drifting higher as we've been in a 30-year-plus bond market. And that could be potentially the biggest bubble at present. So we're definitely becoming more and more cautious. If I can point to one of the funds, our Ford International Fund, which is a global asset allocation fund, we've been raising cash in that year to date. We've gone from about 75% equity to just below 60%. U.S. dollar cash is yielding 7%, which is higher than the S&P dividend yield. And we've also been increasing gold exposure while reducing cyclical equity exposure, given that we feel we late cycle cautions warranted, there's increasing geopolitical risks, and many emerging markets in Europe have already fallen into kind of bear mockery, down yeah. more than 30% from their highs. Due political risk has always been with us, and we've also seen the Federal Reserve in the U.S. trying to communicate as clearly as possible to how they see the interest rate cycle you know, ticking up, and they're trying to be as predictable as possible. But yet we are seeing such aggressive moves up and down on world markets. Why these excessive one-day moves? And the past few months, as you've just said, we've seen significant downturns in several markets, uh, including the, the S&P 500. Do you think there's a, a nervousness beyond just a normal, rational concerns about markets and valuation levels? The typical environment, when you enter the late stages of the bull market, volatility does increase. When you withdraw accommodative stimulus and start hiking rates, volatility also increases. So markets have had a very long 10-year run, and typically every 10 years you have a recession, and they continue to worry about this. So 
we're seeing some big inflection points and changes in themes which have been going on for years, largely being driven by Trump and the rise of populism. So, I mean, President Trump's extremely unpredictable and he's very antagonistic with trade war and the turn of a decade-long globalization trend to a protectionism trend is extremely negative for countries. It's a lose-lose situation. Nobody really wins ultimately, and it, it can drive up costs for the U.S. consumer. You're already seeing in, in the recent quarterly reporting in the U.S. that companies are warning on the impacts from the cost side and what it means for them. And expectations that have been built into markets are very strong. The S&P has been growing at close to 15%. Returns have been extremely strong. And multiples are at, at high. So the, the U.S. market, for example, trades at a 10% premium on valuation metrics to its historic average. Mm-hmm. And um, on certain metrics, such as price to sales, the valuation extreme is even higher. It's 20% plus. And profit margins are at record highs. You have an oil price increase, and you have wage inflation coming through as unemployment at record lows. You have um, inflationary impacts from the trade war. It's risk to growth globally. And earnings outlook, too. And this, when multiples are expensive and you've had such a long run, markets will tend to be, to be volatile. And the cyclical stocks have really taken the hit. You've seen... It's fears because margins are ten percent instead of five, and the, yeah. the earnings implications if the market does roll, and the rise of global populism. I mean, Europe, you're seeing the Italians hit up and ask for bigger budget deficit because they're tired of growing at, at one two percent. The the people aren't happy. Even in Brazil, they've asked for changes. It's happening all over the world. But is this then the new normal? Is it, you know, I don't foresee that type of uh, international events or personalities or uh, expectations changing in the near future. Is that the new normal in which investment markets would operate? Yeah, it could be. This rise of populism is a, a big risk in Europe. Back again with established parties, Merkel leaving, leaving in a party, losing the stronghold which they had in Italy, as I mentioned. Um, Spain, Portugal, it's, it's a big risk. And as these changes come into play, it has uncertain consequences and from the tax perspective, like Trump too. And this is a new normal. People want change. And just like Brazil, they voted for it. And, and in the democratic societies, it causes a lot of instability. And in countries such as Singapore, which are semi-controlled, you're getting less change and to have the ability to implement reforms, etc. China is another example, which is more positive for stability, but the change is definitely on the cards. I'm looking at your global equity fund. I'm looking at the top five investments, and CVS Health Corporation is your biggest single counter in the portfolio, nearly 9% of the fund. Uh, tell us about CVS Health Group. Yeah, sure. So, I mean... In the U.S. market in particular, we underweight. We have a kind of 40% exposure with the benchmark being at 55, which is heavily over-indexed. And we're quite cautious on U.S. growth stocks, some of the fans in particular, and we've taken an approach to buy value. And CBS is the prime example of a value stock which has traded down because of the, the threat of Amazon. 
So it is the largest pharmaceutical company within the U.S., retail pharmaceutical. They control 25% of the market. Another 20% or so is controlled by Walgreens, and the rest is mostly non-pop independent pharmacies, which are, are more at risk from Amazon disrupting this model by moving into online pharmacy. However, CVS has now traded down to nine times forward earnings and six times cash flow. So in six years, they're going to generate the entire market cap back in cash and can buy back stock, etc. They instead have decided to do an acquisition and vertically integrate. They've, they've bought an insurer, Aetna, which uh, should get approved soon. And they also have a PDM. So they're fully vertically integrated and they're not resting on their laurels and waiting for Amazon to come and eat their retail market share like they've done for the likes of Walmart, etc. And we see it's a great structural growth story. In, in the U.S., the demographic trends favor an aging population. And as you age, you require more prescriptions, unfortunately. So script growth in the U.S. is 6% plus. And that's not going to change in the near future. And the pharmacies are still a key distribution element. People yeah. prefer to go to the pharmacies and have scripts delivered to their door. Although CVS do offer this, but the market has slammed the rating because they fear the disruption that Amazon brings. And this has created an opportunity for us. We love this stuff. I mean, it's, it's going to grow its scripts at 6% annually. They're looking to bend the cost curve by integrating Aetna. And they can literally buy back the business in a time frame where Amazon wouldn't even be able to get 5% market share. So we love stocks that have been driven down like this. It's offering value in a market that's relatively expensive. I see it is at a PE of around 25, but uh, on you, you've referred to the fangs, and I see Alphabet is also one of your biggest holdings, uh, around 4%, uh, and Alphabet has taken a hit in recent uh, weeks and months. So what are your views on Alphabet and the fangs in general? Yes, sir. <laughs> we're quite cautious on fangs in general. The fangs have become very large, a couple of them reaching trillion-dollar market cap, which was a warning sign for us. They've become... They've largely been driven by ETF flows and, and the support for these kind of higher cap index stocks. So Amazon, I love the business model. The company is very expensive. If you look at it on a price-to-earnings basis, more than 200 times earnings, maybe 100 times forward earnings, given that they're accelerating. And even on a cash flow, you need a dark because it's not as cheap as some other offerings. In three years' time, it may be. But we do feel there are risks to business models like Amazon and Netflix, which have been very disruptive and have displaced a lot of jobs within the U.S., especially in the retail, physical retail world. And they don't employ as many people. There's a couple hundred thousand people working for these businesses. They're killing physical retail business, and they're disrupting the old world model, and they're not paying taxes. So this this is also a, a a primary contributor to the rise of populism and angst amongst U.S. people as they're losing jobs and they're under pressure and businesses are going out of business and these big tech giants aren't paying taxes as they should. And the U.K. just recently introduced, I think it was yesterday, the 2% tax on these sort of businesses. So, so we see the risk of taxes and regulation rising 
towards the more disruptive players, where Google, however, is extremely cheap. Google trades at, um, they have a lot of cash on their balance sheet. They trade at um, 20 times earnings if you exclude that cash, and they will grow at 20% for the next three years. Primarily, the income's primarily coming from advertising through the search business. But there's a lot of optionality that we see within the mapping side of things, within AI, with the autonomous driving units that's not included, within YouTube, which is now becoming a, a massive driver too. And they have some solid assets that have been around for a long time and very cash-rich, and they will continue to grow at 20%. They pay their taxes, and um, it's not as expensive as the likes of Amazon and Netflix. Yeah. If you look at Facebook, Facebook's already had some data breach issues. They're losing you or their user growth is slowing as a result of this um, loss of confidence in the business and the security around their data and, and how the data is being used. So there's risk around there. Google has a lot of information likewise and there will be security threats and consumer protection measures put in place. However, we find Google attractive on a cash flow basis. You referred to it earlier that you have changed the portfolios, uh, maybe moved some money into cash to be slightly more conservative. Are you actually uh, consciously trying to be more conservative in this market? Because implication, that means you are seeing further downside. Definitely, definitely. So last year, we were, we were very bullish on equities. We had a higher beta start, more cyclical. Our slogan was synchronous growth. The Fed wasn't hiking aggressively to a level we felt was at risk. The following and Trump's tax cuts were a positive stimulus for the world. However, things have changed very rapidly with Trump's antagonistic approach and his attack on China. China's withdrawn from the markets. And we've shifted the portfolio. We've, we've reduced some cyclicality. We've moved into into great hedges such as gold. Gold's a great safe haven from this level if you get an inflation reburst or runaway or if you get a liquidity event, it's going to have good safe haven appeal. And especially in a world where all these governments have printed loads of money, debt levels are at record highs, then you could see some huge currency devaluation. So gold looks like a great safe haven. We've moved into some USD cash given the yield relative to dividend yields. And we generally, in the asset allocation fund, have avoided bonds. I mean, we feel the biggest risk is likely in corporate debt. In Europe, the high-yield corporate spreads are 1% above the U.S. Treasury. That's all-time record lows, yielding 4.5%. And there's not much credit risk priced into that. So if there's any major global growth shock, there's going to be big ramifications and these markets aren't as liquid as they always were because the investment banks aren't there to take the inventory onto their prop books like they were back in the GFC. And you could see a major liquidity event stemming from the bond market, which worries us more than the equity market, where we see value. We're trading cautiously given the unpredictable nature of Trump, the late cycle and the hiking Fed, which is pushing up the hurdle rate. We're seeing a lot of the pressure in emerging markets because EM debt to GDP is now above 60%, which is higher than the financial crisis, the global financial crisis, and the Asian financial crisis. So it's, it's really in the danger zone. 
mm. where you could see you could see an event coming from one of the twin deficit nations, which have been running these five percent budget deficits to stimulate growth in their economies, and that's lost its impetus, and now they're getting charged a lot more, and these big deficits are going to be unsustainable. So we see risks building all over the world, and we we concerned. Just explain your concerns about the bond market uh, in a bit more detail, please. Over the past 10 years, when all the central banks have moved to quantitative easing, the Federal Reserve started by buying up treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities. The ECB has been buying all the peripheral bonds within Europe, and they've even moved into investment-grade corporate credit. So the big, the big concern is they've pushed yields too low in the traditional safe haven bonds. So the U.S. 10-year was yielding 2%. The German bonds are yielding half a percent. Even investment-grade credits within in Europe is hardly yielding anything. You had um, big multinationals issuing debt at 2 to 3% to fund massive deals and leveraging up to three to four times, which is abnormal. You would never see that in a normal world where you price credit risk properly. And our concern is that this has forced your growing pension population within the U.S., Europe, and even Japan, who, who need a, a 3 to 6% yield, depending on the inflation outlook, to fund their retirement needs. They've been forced out of these traditional safe haven bonds into riskier assets, such as high-yield debt, lower-grade corporate credit, into, even into equities and in, into emerging market assets where they typically never had sizable exposure and doesn't offer the same sort of stability of return. There's a lot more volatility. And with the central banks now reversing their support for these markets, we are quite concerned. The flow of money has turned from support of buying up prices, pushing down yields, to now withdrawing. And the Federal Reserve's pushing up the yield on the hurdle rate for all assets is now up to 3.2%, the, the U.S. tenure, which means you're going to require an extra 100, 200 bucks spread on your on your emerging market debt to give you the same level of comfort. Thanks, sir. We'll have to leave it there. Thank you, Guy. That was Guy Shirtliff. He is a portfolio manager and global equity analyst at Ford.